Welcome to the Data Points Podcast. Focused on the importance of data in a 21st century world, we discuss data-centric topics, such as fundamentals of data management and use, strategies for building buy-in within organizations, the crucial role that communities play in this important work, and so much more. My name is Lisa Twiss, and I am the Curriculum and Instructional Developer for GovX. In this role, I support the designing and delivery of courses, workshops, webinars, and other types of trainings offered through GovX. Today, we're looking at data science and how data science can be used to solve problems in government. And we're lucky enough to be joined by Richard Todd, Enterprise Data Lead at the City of Boulder and a former GovX Academy Fellow. Thank you so much for being here today, Richard. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So would you mind starting off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, as you said, I am the Enterprise Data Lead at the City of Boulder in Colorado, and I manage a team there that provides data governance, data warehousing, and data science um, services across the enterprise. And prior to that, I was at the City of Seattle, where I was the Data Analytics Lead for the city. So I'm very interested in how data science can support policy and operational decisions um, in the local government context. And I was delighted to become an Academy Fellow to help uh, spread the message around what data science can do in local government. Can you describe what is meant by data science? Of course, it's a relatively new field, despite the fact that we seem to be bombarded in the media uh, with stories about data science. Uh, I think about it as the practice of generating insights from data. And that is a story almost as old as time, but data science offers us innovation at the front end and the back end of that process. So at the front end, data science gives us opportunities to, to wrangle and get insights from big, messy, unstructured data that uh, prior to this field really developing would have been very hard. And then at the back end, it gives us tools to generate really amazing insights from the data uh, that we've wrangled. That's excellent. And, and you've, I think, alluded to this a little bit, but why do we care about this or, or why should our listeners care about this? <laughs> so I think there are a couple of things uh, I would say to that. Firstly, you may be one of the very sad individuals like myself who uh, loves it for its own sake. You know, and I've got an intrinsic interest. Um, but uh, for the other 99% of the population, uh, and especially folks in um, the government world, I think we should be interested here because we, as a society, we give governments the hard and associated nonprofits the hardest problems we have, um, and we dump them on their doorstep. And I, I think data science is just one of those tools that we can empower uh, problem solvers and government with. So I want to bring absolutely every tool and technique available. Uh, to those people who are wrestling with the big problems in government. Yeah. And so, I, you know, as you're saying specifically about government, but could, you know, is there an argument to say that data science is, can we find this in other places and in, in our everyday lives? Yeah, uh, that's a great, it's a great point. And um, 
we're at the stage now where, particularly in the commercial world, data science has permeated almost everything we do. Um, think about when you go shopping for groceries. Perhaps you're shopping online and you put something in your basket and um, a series of recommendations pop up below you. That's, that's an application of data science where the grocery companies are using data on previous transactions to kind of predict what you're going to be interested in and pull those out of the inventory and show them to you. At the back end, think about when you're at, the, uh, at a physical checkout location and you pay and then uh, a set of coupons gets printed that is eerily familiar to you, you know, will be uh, for things that you may have bought once and never bought again. Identifying how to, to spend that uh, discount resource is a, is a data science question. Think about medicine. The FDA has just approved its, uh, uh, made its first approval of an AI approach to identifying prostate cancer from biopsy images. Still with a physician in the, in the chain, of course, but uh, we're going to have AI analyzing the results of uh, cancer, cancer biopsy. And in some ways, the archetypal case of the big software companies, um, Google, Facebook, those type of companies use this, use these approaches all the time. And it's said that uh, by those in the know, that every time you use Google, you are in a rough, roughly a dozen experiments that they are running to uh, make their platform more effective. So it really permeates uh, our everyday life, even if it's not very obvious. Yeah, that is amazing. And um, just as an aside, I remember years ago, I had lost my phone and I was joking around with some friends and sent a message on Facebook about maybe going back to uh, homing pigeons to start sending <laughs> messages. And honestly, within five minutes, when I went on a Google, an ad popped up, um, set, you know, selling fancy pigeons that I could have <laughs> bought in that moment. It was, so I, I totally can see what you're, what you're saying. And I see how that works, obviously, in my everyday life. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about how you've seen data science help with the government problems? And, and write practical examples as far as our government listens. Yeah, of course. So I, um, the thing I'm really passionate about is moving some of these techniques and approaches out of the realms of the unachievable big technology, big corporate world into the, the toolkit of operational and policy folks in, in uh, the government and social sectors. And it's very important to realize that, that these tools and techniques are well within our grasp within government. We can use open source tools and techniques. And a lot of the problems that we wrestle with are importantly similar to some of the more uh, familiar applications of data science. So a couple of nice examples. Uh, the city of New Orleans developed a model to predict which households in, it, in the city were most at risk from fire damage. And use that model to inform the distribution of smoke alarms so that rather than waiting for these folks to uh, appear at a, a fire station and request an alarm, they could move the fire department to being proactive in distribution, making sure that those smoke alarms are in the hands of uh, folks who needed them most. Uh, I've worked on models uh, in uh, local government that help predict rain damage. So given a, given patterns of uh, precipitation and weather, where are we going to experience the biggest problems in storm drain, overflow, and flooding? I've worked to optimize 
um, emergency medical response to make sure that we're deploying the right assets to the right type of calls at the right time. And I've used it to analyze novels worth of uh, survey responses at the touch of a button. And all of these things are about making government work smarter for the people that need it. So I know that you are not the only super smart person, right, who who knows the value and uh, the incredible potential with data science. Um, but what are some reasons why, you know, more people might not be using it? What are some of the barriers that people in government might be experiencing that would prohibit them from, from moving forward with that? I think that the number one barrier to this type of work is creativity to think of applications for it. And think about in your own organization, think of all the data that you generate but that, we never re- that you never really use. The phrase that we find very powerful uh, in the city of Boulder is, if only we knew what we know. Ostensibly, we collect information and data in lots of different ways, but we very seldom feed that back into the policymaking or the operational uh, process. As I've mentioned previously, there are incredibly powerful tool sets that are free to use, uh, open source. And so I think about I think about this as a, a failure of my own and people like me to uh, engage problem solvers across government in thinking of great ways to apply these techniques. I think that's the title of your future book right there. If only we, know, if only we yes. knew what we know. I love it. A uh, very slim, <laughs> slim volume. I love it. So it sounds like there, as you know, not surprisingly, a lot of moving parts. And so what I would ask is really, how would we help government employees take that step, right? And, and to actually use the, use the data. And like you said, there, there is so much of it um, that maybe isn't being used. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about how, how we make sense of it and, and to put the data science to, to good use? So um, I start from the position that impactful data science work is necessarily a collaboration because my skill sets and the skill sets of folks like me are, are narrow. They, are, they pertain to data. They do not pertain to managing a program or uh, distributing um, resources to those in need or managing a fire department. And if, we, if our data science work is going to be useful, some of those activities need to change. And we, we certainly can't be the ones to change them. So I start from that position. If you start from that position, then the question is, how do you build that coalition? And the number one barrier I see is in communicating what is possible. I take the onus upon myself and uh, people who do what I do to do a better job of explaining what it is that data science can provide. Too often we get lost in our own source of exciting algorithms and statistical techniques and latest papers. But actually, if we're going to build a coalition, we need to be presenting what we can do in a way that is very approachable. And so I like to think about the world of data science as as simply three options, three types of project that we can can work with uh, practitioners in government. The first of those is predictive. So taking something about the present or data that we know, data that we have, to infer something about something we don't know. You can imagine the uh, example that I gave previously of the work in New Orleans on risk of fire, death, and injury. Uh, We're taking information that we do know, 
So we know a lot about the demographics of our city and we know lots about the condition of houses in, the, in our city. And we know about which of those factors are likely to be associated with um, risk of fire, death and injury. What we need to do is transform that into a, a household level recommendation about who we should reach out to. So this, that's, that's what prediction is. The second of these project types is a quite broad church that I call insights. So this is about generating insights from data that is big or messy or unstructured or perhaps exists in a field that is not easy to access. A good example of this is some work that a private company did to bring new sources of information to 911 dispatchers. So their work analyzes the sound of the call in real time and helps identify whether the caller or someone in the background has breathing patterns associated with cardiac arrest, which is bringing a whole new stream of information online to the, to the dispatcher's fingertips. The third uh, type of project I like to think about is uh, evaluation. So really getting to the bottom of what is working, what has worked and what will work. The space in which government and the social sector operate is often very challenging, a very complicated environment to try and understand what we, what the impact that we're having or not. And there are tools and techniques that we can use to create mini experiments or perhaps tease apart lots of correlated variables in trying to understand the impact that we're having. So that's the, that's the way I think about the world. The real, the real fun comes when you realize that those use cases or those broad project types can be very deeply hidden. So we, I don't go around asking people, oh, where would prediction be useful in your work? I go around and speak to my colleagues and try and understand the problems that they're facing in their work. And I help them join the dots between those problems and a potential prediction use case. So for example, when I hear things like, oh, our work is like finding a needle in a haystack. We have a lot of applicants and a very small number of people that we need to interact with. Or perhaps I hear, I wish we could prioritize our work better. Or perhaps I hear, if only we had an early warning system, we're forever, we're too late to the, the crisis. All of those are predictive analytic use cases. And we uncover those only by working closely with our colleagues to understand the business need. Yeah, so, you know, as a, as a former and current teacher, I do like to sort of reiterate for people and learners, and, and I do want to just, um, you know, highlight the project types that you just talked about included predictive insights and evaluation, which happenstance would use the acronym of PI. So for our listeners who do want to walk away remembering one thing, then um, I do love how that uh, really, you know, works, especially around this holiday season when we're talking about desserts. So um, I think that's great. Yeah. And where I'm from, uh, pie is not a dessert, but we can we can talk about that another we time. We can talk about that in our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So again, just to recap, we're talking, uh, you know, you mentioned three specific project types. And, um, and I think, again, that will help our listeners, you know, really try to envision, you know, kind of where the work can go. Um, in addition to helping with the project type definitions or articulation, um, could you talk a little bit about some kind of checks or, or some things that um, our listeners may want to consider as they as they start to think about their project types and, and the ways that you framed it? Of course. So um, what I've described 
so far is the process by which myself and my colleagues go out into our partner departments or agencies and, and help source interesting ideas. And there's quite a distance between the interesting idea and the eventual implementation of a project, not least finding the internal resources to deliver the project. But we also think about filtering and testing those ideas in a handful of ways. And the first, as with everything in life, uh, including data science, the first thing we think about is the human element. What is the problem we are trying to solve here? Have we articulated it clearly? Is it well-defined? Can we be totally clear on what we're, what we're here to do? And that, I think, is a universal piece of advice in government. The second element, again, a very human one, is really zeroing in on who will work differently as a result of the work that we do. And have they, have they bought into this process? We discussed earlier how many agencies, government agencies included, collect and generate enormous amounts of data. And if the goal was simply to analyze that data, then we could be employed for a very, very long time and we would be totally divorced from impact. So what we try and do is at the upfront of, of every project is zero in on the change or the decision that we are going to enable and prune away all the extraneous things that may satisfy my intellectual curiosity, but are not going to improve life for the people that rely upon our services. So that's the human side of things. The data side of things is also important. Um, and we have we have a very simple three-item three checklist. Do we have the data? Do we have access to the data? Because the landscape of government services is often fragmented and different agencies will have different insights into the people that we're trying to serve. So have we, have we done the work up front to make sure that we can access the data that we need to understand the issues that we're wrestling with? The second thing that we think about from a data perspective is scale. Some of the techniques we've talked about so far require a certain scale of data for the statistical tools that we want to use. So often we, the way we describe this is we, we want to see hundreds or thousands or more of re records associated with this phenomenon. So if we have 20 observations for a given problem, there may be some techniques we can use, but that's very helpful to use up front, to know up front. The third data point that we try and check off is what is the appetite of people around the table to generate more data? And there are ways of, in a very short order and for very low cost, generating very powerful information about the impact of a program. If folks around the table are willing to conduct a small scale experiment. And one example of that is some work that I led alongside a municipal court where we were seeking to reduce default rates in parking and traffic tickets. And a simple experiment that we pulled together over a month for zero cost uh, enabled us to robustly test different interventions. And it turned out that a simple set of amendments to the communications we made with residents reduced defaults by 13%. And that's, that's an example of where the willingness of those wonderful folks to try new approaches and to do so in a, in a robust experimental way really uh, enabled us to identify a new solution. Yeah, that's incredible. And it, and it seems like there's just um, genuine impact when the work is done correctly. And, and so I, I think that's great. 
Um, as we get towards the end of our session here today, let's talk a little bit about what are what are a few things that you would want to consider as we go as people are starting to move towards this work. Yeah, of course. So uh, a few things come to mind. Firstly, that data science doesn't need to be massive. It doesn't need to be expensive. It doesn't need to be the preserve of huge companies that generate billions of data points every day. We can do this at much smaller scale, uh, a much lower cost, uh, and a much more personalized level. Uh, the second thing I'd want to uh, folks to consider is the sort of supply and demand of these type of projects. So we've addressed the demand side, how we stoke and stimulate demand for data science from folks wrestling with important problems. But the supply side uh, is important as well. So if you get a lot of great project ideas, then you're going to, of course, need to figure out how to deliver them. And this is where government really has a strong position, I think. There are people in academic institutions who would be excited to partner with governments to wrestle with some of these issues and deploy advanced techniques. There are wonderful folks across government who have really great data skills and perhaps aren't using them every day. Perhaps they're in financial analysis, perhaps they're business analysts, perhaps they are uh, data analysts who don't think of themselves as data scientists. And those folks can be engaged. And we found um, in this context that I've worked in, lots of people who are hungry to learn new approaches and to try their hand at new techniques. The third uh, real sweet spot for government, I think, is that we are all on the same team. And there are cities across the country, there are states across the country, there are counties, there are federal agencies who have gone further with their data science program than others and who delight in making connections with folks who are thinking about this for the first time and can be a really valuable source of advice. I learned almost everything I learned I know today about this subject from wonderful people in New Orleans who were really ahead of the curve. And I took a lot of those lessons to Seattle and I took lots of those lessons from Seattle to Boulder. So we've talked about the, su the supply side of things. The final element that I'd want people to think about here is um, for the practitioners themselves, what advice would I give? And three things, I think. One is the importance of shoe leather. So uh, you will not be able to solve problems or even find projects if you sit alone, metaphorically. Now we're in the area of the virtual office. It can be easy to stay in your individual silos. But the, all the best project ideas that I've worked on have been someone else's idea. I have been in awe of the creativity that I have seen unleashed in my uh, colleagues. And the only way that you can unleash that is to build relationships and build trust and have multiple conversations because those project ideas will not come out fully formed. They will come as the germ of an idea which was raised in the last five minutes of the first meeting that you develop in a follow-up meeting that you refine in a follow-up meeting. So the real importance of getting out there and, and meeting folks who are wrestling with problems the second piece of advice is um, I take from my finance background, so uh, portfolio theory. It's important to have a range of projects in your inbox that are of different scales, uh, different policy areas, and of different relative complexity. 
because it's it can be very challenging to work on building a machine learning model for six months only to find that it doesn't work with live data and to in, to keep the keep the energy of your team going it's great to have other irons in the fire particularly when you get blocked on progress for one reason or another so make sure you've built a diversity of projects for your own benefit but also to be able to generate quicker and deeper longer term wins the third thing final thing is um, the importance of deep work so it can be very challenging i find in resource constrained environments to create the space and focus for your yourself and your colleagues to get to the bottom of thorny problems. And the sad fact is that if it was easy, it would have been done already. So we need to provide the space and time for our colleagues to really zero in on these things. So um, maybe make Friday meeting free so you can just be coding all day. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and thank you so much. And, you know, just the fact that you ended on the idea of helping, um, you know, colleagues learn and grow. And, and I can't imagine having a better team leader than you. So, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your participation and all that you offered, um, you know, obviously GovX as a fellow, but that you continue to offer uh, by joining us today. So if you would like to follow along with some visuals and re-listen to some of what Richard talked about today, you can look up his webinar that he hosted in April of 2021, um, entitled Making Data Science Work For You. Again, we thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to having you join us again in the future.